Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And at the end of the day, it comes down to this concept of just, I want to reach my own personal potential. And I'm the only person that could determine that. It's like, hey, Ben, did you give your best in your workout today? And you say yes. Well, who am I to say any otherwise, right? If you think that you did the best you could in your workout, who am I to judge vice versa? And so I'm just asking myself, am I reaching my potential? Am I doing the best I can? And if every day I walked into the gym and I put myself in the best position to win the CrossFit Games, as an example, every day I left there and I said, I did the best I could to put myself as a contender to reach my potential, then I'm good. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stop. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence, remote edition. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing good. Thanks, Pat. For those watching the video, uh, well, two things. One, you're back at your office, which is the first time since we started all this. So that's good to see uh, all the books in the bookshelf. Uh, and then the other thing is, obviously, we're, we're joined with a special guest today. We've got Jason Kalipa here with us um, from out in California at NC Fit. How are you doing, Jason? Thanks so much for coming out. Hey, man, I'm doing great. I'm just... Uh... Appreciate you guys having me on. Ready to yeah, chat? Yeah. So we're gonna um we're gonna kind of have a free uh a freewheeling conversation for a little bit. We do have some listener questions that we uh, that we we sent out for. So we'll we'll wrap up the episode with those. But I wanted to start the conversation, um, Jason, with maybe maybe some context or an overview of what the what the AMRAP mentality is. Um, I know it's something that you've um, spent a lot of time on. You've you've written a book about. Um, and I want to just kind of forecast forward a little bit. I want to get a sense of what that is and what that means. But then I really want to dive into with, with both of you guys, what that looks like in the current context that we're all living in. How are you, how have you adapted that? Where have you found uh, opportunities to kind of either um, dive in deeper into it or change it, or you looking at it from a different perspective, um, given all, given all the, the constraints that we're living under. But uh, again, just to start is, is, could you give us all just a sense of what, what that is, what that AMRAP mentality is and, and how it shows up in your life? Yeah. I mean, so, uh, you know, most of us know what an AMRAP is, um, especially if you're in the fitness space, cross the spaces, as many reps or as many rounds as possible. And what happened in my life was I had opened a gym I had, um, you know, um, was growing a business. I had a wife and I had a daughter and, you know, you have the business, the family. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to compete at the highest level in CrossFit. And what I found was that I wasn't doing anything very well. And I was, I was, I wasn't achieving my potential in each different area. Cause I feel like I was one foot in and one foot out too often. I'd be on conference calls, expanding locations in Asia while trying to get assault bike intervals in. I just wasn't doing well on my assault bike intervals or my conference calls. Yeah. And what really struck me was one day I'm walking with my daughter and my wife and we're like, I'm pushing her in a stroller and I'll never forget. My wife asked me this question and I look at her. I just said, babe, I have no idea what you were talking about. And I remember at the time what I was thinking about in my head, I was present with my family, but what I was thinking about was walking on my hands at a future regionals event. I don't know if you guys remember that one, but there was one event where when your hand touched the, the, the tape, you got disqualified. And I remember in my head, I was thinking something similar to that. And I looked down at my wife and I just, the, the, the look in her face was just of disappointment that I'm here, but I just wasn't there. And I told her after that day that I need to be more present, more focused on what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, because I was tired of asking myself when I was done with the task that I really do my best effort there. And so I started really brainstorming, like, when am I the most effective? When I'm the most effective is when I'm AMRAPing. If I ask Ben or Patrick or one of you guys to do an AMRAP of seven minutes of burpees, that's all you're going to do. That's all you're going to think about. You're not going to answer your phone. You're not going to be distracted with anything. You're just going to be super present, super focused. And so I started taking that analogy of fitness and building it into my life. So I started saying, okay, I'm looking at like riding a bicycle. The first step is I have to identify what do I want to focus on? 
Is it my family, my business, my fitness? What's my focus for right now? And if I'm not focused, like being on a bike, I'm going to tip over. I got to be focused. The next step is I need to work hard. Similar to riding a bike, I need to pedal. If I'm not pedaling, I'm not moving forward. So I'm going to focus on something like right now, you and you and us, right? You're all I'm focused on and we're trying to work hard together, right? I'm, I'm focused. I'm working hard. And then throughout the duration of the day, this is the, the best part is that you switch gears. So just like riding a bike, right? You just switch gears throughout the day. Right now, I'm here with you podcasting. Earlier today, I was working out. When I get home, I'm with my family. And just throughout the day, it's just these little pivots, little shifts where I'm amrapping, amrapping, amrapping. And then every now and then, the theory is you have to reevaluate what you want to focus on. So for me, my focus was you know, business, or not in this particular order, but business, family, and fitness, right? Competing at the highest level, building a business, and, and, and my, my family, of course. But then over time, things shift, things change. I went from having one child to two children. I went from having uh, two locations to 20 or whatever. And then the real kicker for me was when my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia, it was a really easy moment for me to reflect and recognize that I needed to, um, you know, kind of reevaluate and I removed competing from my priority list. And so the nutshell of AMRAP mentality is identify your focus, work hard to switch gears throughout the day, and then every now and then reevaluate that overall focus of what your macro goals are. And, um, you know, I had been thinking about writing a book for a long time, and it was because I was traveling around the world. And I just, I would pick up these books looking for inspiration and it didn't align with what I found. A lot of the stuff I read was kind of fluffy. It didn't, it, it didn't just ever talk about just grit and hard work. So I wanted to write that. And then after my daughter was diagnosed, we were so grateful, forever blessed to have amrapped so many things in my life leading up to that, that when she did get diagnosed, we were in the best position to handle it. And that was the motivation for writing the book. The motivation was God forbid something ever happens in your life. Let's put money in the piggy bank now. Let's put fitness in the bank now. Let's put relationships focus now so that we could we could tackle the challenges when they come. Yeah. So Jay, yeah, that's a man. I love that. Um, so it speaks so much to what we talk about on our, our we're like very principles based. We're very much about being present and uh, maximizing uh, the time that's in front of us right now. So that buttoning up that inside the AMRAP mentality is, is awesome. It's beautiful and it's elegant. How did you... Was it just by default or how did you come up with it? Because it sounds like you take a lot of time to do the self-reflection, do the analysis, come back and say, but how did you settle on business, family, fitness? Was it just because that's what was important to you or was it, um, was it what is most in front of you? Was it strategic? Was it forward thinking? Was it, this is what I'm going to look back on my life or was it, here's my opportunities? How'd you come up with those three things to focus on? I mean, I think at the time, there were just things that like were right in front of me, to your point, like there were my family. I married my high school sweetheart. We met when we were 15 years old. She's really important to me. My kids, very important to me. Okay, my family, that's a non-negotiable. My business, well, we started it out of college. I have to do something to feed my family. So that's a non-negotiable. And then fitness was a part of my life. And I'm not even just talking about the CrossFit Games. I'm talking about just fitness in general. It's stress reliever. It makes me feel better. It's, it's a part of me, just like the hair on my head. And so that's how I created that. And not everybody has those same focuses, you know, maybe for someone, if they're, you know, I would recommend some type of family, but maybe family for them is close friends. And then maybe they have a way of making money, whatever that is. And then they have something else. Maybe that's golf. Maybe that's who knows. Right. But people yeah. have these different areas. How do you guys, both of you, cause I think one, one of the commonalities, I think there are a lot of commonalities b between you guys, but I think one of the commonalities is your uh, willingness, your excitement on, um, uh, engaging in lots of things at the same time for right, right between, you know, uh, Ben's got, you know, the gym and comp train and athletes and, uh, and books and a podcast and all this stuff. And, and I think Jason, you're, you're very similar in the sense of like, of, um, of your ambition and what you want to, uh, what you want to be able to do and what you want to be able to accomplish. So I'm curious for both of you inside of those buckets that you've decided, okay, these are my three, three buckets that I'm, uh, um, 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 most paying attention to how do you figure out inside of that, how to, uh, best use your time, best use your attention. How do you implement the AMRAP mentality inside of business when you're for you, Jason, your business is, uh, really broad, right? Like how do you figure out how to best take that philosophy and, and break it down so that you can be inside that bucket of fitness uh, or of business and still be effective uh, and still not get, overwhelmed or distracted by the, any of the other things that you could be paying attention to. 
but the first step is just being aware of it. You know, we get we get questions all the time, like, you know, I'm not am wrapping right now. It's like, okay, don't worry, man. It's all good. The first step is to recognize that am wrapping is difficult to do. There's a reason why you go to a restaurant and more than half the people are on their phones. Well, this is pre-COVID, right? But half the people are on their phones. And it's because for me, it's like either go to dinner and spend time or don't. If you have business to take care of, go take care of it. No big deal, right? But I don't even want to put myself in that position unless I could be there. I committed to this podcast with you and this is it. If I didn't want, if I knew that I was going to be one foot in, one foot out, I shouldn't even have committed to it because I'm not prepared to give my best effort to reach my potential in this conversation. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I'm AMRAPing, when I'm thinking about business, I start allocating, okay, for this hour, I'm going to dedicate myself to this um, or for these hours or whatever it may be. And I kind of create these macro level themes. And then I look at like shorter terms. So like for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to go ahead and bang out this email. I'm going to really focus on this. I'm going to listen to whatever it may be. But I think the easiest way to look at it is don't be too hard on yourself. You know, being present, being focused and AMRAPing is very difficult to do. And myself included, I make mistakes. I get distracted. But it's reminding myself to get refocused is the key throughout the duration of the day. You know, you're with your kids. Um, this morning, I rode my, um, I ride the bike every morning with my daughter in our garage. And she listen, we listen to Disney music and she tries to guess the song, right? It's like our thing. And this morning, I got myself um, thinking about... Um, uh, just, just something else, right? Like something more business related, actually it was social media related, which is even sadder. <laughs> and I started finding myself over here and I had to remind myself like, dude, what the hell am I doing? Right. Be with my daughter. And, uh, but, but, but that's what, that's, that's what I try and do throughout the duration of the day. What about you, Ben? What, how do you, how do you, uh, and you can use Jason's language or obviously turn it into yeah. what, however you do it yourself, but how do you think about going through your day and making sure that when you're with the comp train crew, you're not thinking about something at uh, CFNE or with when you're at the gym, you're not thinking about something that you and Heather talked about, you know, earlier. How do you, is it just as simple as compartmentalizing well, or is there something more uh, intentional about it that allows you guys to, when you're focused on something, uh, get the most out of that thing? I, I love the words that both you guys are using in terms of J's, which is awareness. Like I'm just a massive fan of being ultimately self-aware and aware of where you are at this moment. You know, there's so many people that um, in my mind are complainers, but you ask them, they're like, I don't complain. It's like the lack of self-awareness is just so incredible. And then to your point, Patrick, that intentionality, like being really intentional with your time. And Jay's like the AMRAP mentality is just all about having intention. I think one of the biggest things though for me is I have these five different areas that I try to maximize in my life. And you know, it's, I think it's a Tony Robbins quote, which is like, you're not, you're not lazy. You just don't have goals that inspire you. Like if you love what you're doing, um, for me, and this is me personally, like I was a horrible student. I never read a book in high school. That's like a true fact. I never finished a book in high school. Um, I cliff notes it, or I did something else, or I just got by somehow. Now, I mean, like there's, I, I read all the time because I'm so interested in it. If you're passionate about what you're doing and passion's a, a really weird word that I think is way overused because people try to search for their passion. I don't think you search for it. I think you develop it. But uh, essentially, like if you find that thing that sets you on fire and it's time to do that thing, man, it's a lot easier to stay totally full, uh, present. If you combine that as well, because it doesn't always happen. As Jay said, like I, he loves his family. He loves his daughter. I know that. I've seen him with his family. So, But there are these times where you get distracted and all of a sudden this thing pops up in your head while you should be present. If you then have additional guardrails to pull you back in to make sure you're not going off the rails. So I love spending time with my family. I have certain guardrails that help me to make sure I am present, which is when I am home, I don't have my phone on me. Now it can drive my wife crazy actually because she actually is like, hey, can you take a picture of us? I'm like, honey, I don't, like, babe, I don't have my phone. She's like, hey, like um, can you send a text to um, that parent saying we're gonna be late? Like, I, I don't have my phone. So not having your phone on you is one of the guardrails, one of the things that I've set up as a bright line. Like it helps me to stay completely present to AMRAP that, that period that I am there. When I am at work, like I don't have my, and I'm supposed to be coaching or working with Katrin or whatever it is, I don't have my computer with me because then it's like the emails and the pings and all the rest don't distract me. So putting up the right protocols in place and systemizing it so you can stay laser focused on the task at hand if you don't have the distractions, the pings, the buzzers, the whistles that pull us all away, and you're doing something that you love, 
it's easy to get engrossed in. I actually have the, like the, the opposite of like being distracted is like, I'll be in the moment and I'll be so like something will trigger me in the moment. I'll be in a meeting and I'll be so involved in the meeting that somebody will say something and I'll go so far down that rabbit hole that I'll miss like the last three minutes of what people are saying in the meeting. I'm like, sorry guys. Like I kind of like, I went down a rabbit hole there. Can we, can we pull it back? Because it's so present. I'll be talking to somebody and I won't even see the things that are happening around me because it's so easy to get pulled in if you get used to not being distracted. So, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of the systemization part of it. Um, but a lot of the stuff is what Jay's talking about in terms of, you know, setting up in ahead of time, being aware, being intentional, um, and knowing what the next 15, 20 minutes are about. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, on that note, like if someone's looking for a reason why they should incorporate some of these ideas and concepts, it's because they want to reach their potential in whatever they're doing. And that was the biggest driver for me is like, I was so, I mean, I'm not kidding you. We, we were opening locations internationally. We would have conference calls every night and I would be on these calls with my headphones and then I would unmute it. So I'd be like, they'd ask me a question. I'd unmute it. Like, yes, I think that's a very good idea. Boof, muted again. Right. And, and I, I would, and I did this for so long and you know, the next day someone at the company would be like, Oh, how did your calls go? I'd be like, Oh yeah, you know, they went good. It's like, did they really go as good as they could have? Is there something I could have said that maybe would have triggered something that maybe would have grown our business? Is there, and, and I'm just, I'm not reaching where I could have. And that was really the hard part for me. I wasn't reaching my potential as a husband, a father, a business owner, anything. And as soon as I started separating it out, that just made my life so much easier. And what happens is though, over time, my plate became too full. Mm. And then I had to decide what I wanted to delegate out or what I wanted to remove. And I mean, removing the CrossFit Games was the easiest decision based on where I was at in my life. So that was an easy way to kind of pivot that. Jay, like I, um, like, I love that part where you just said is like figuring out what to remove. Because um, I struggled with the same thing. I had a really tough time in my life where I thought I was killing it because I was at home and I was working and I was taking calls and I was trying to stay fit. And really, at your point, like I was doing all and by doing all, I was doing very little to my potential. Um, systematically, like mechanistically, like when you're doing that, do you, when you're doing this AMRAP mentality, are you, um, saying ahead of time and you're dictating out, like I am committing this amount of time to this, this week, and I'm committing this amount of time to this, this week, or are you taking what comes at you and saying like, I'm focused on this now for now, and I'll deal with all the rest whenever the next kind of rolls into me. Are you um, proactively approaching this or are you, um, like, um, more, um, flexible and taking what's coming at you? Yeah. I'd say it's a combination of both. That's a good way to put it. Like, for example, um, last night it was like nine o'clock and I really wanted to kind of hunker down for an hour on like this concept that I had in my head. And so I said, Hey, for the next hour, I'm really going to focus on this. And then after that, then I'm done. Right. Um, but whereas, for example, tonight I might get home and I might be wanting to do something. Then all of a sudden my son might come up to me and be like, Hey, I'd love to go biking with you. And at that moment, I have a decision to make. Do I keep AMRAPing what I'm doing or do I go and and be with my son? I think at that point, what I did was I didn't set myself up for success to AMRAP the work. So I need to pivot and go AMRAP with my son. Meaning if I'm not putting myself in a secluded area to really focus on something and something else comes into my way, I need to be nimble enough to, to, to evolve, right? If I'm sitting in the gym right now and I decided to go work out, but then someone wants to come and talk about business. Maybe because I'm putting myself in that position, I need a little bit, I need to be more nimble. So I'd say it's a combination of both setting up time, but also being aware that things come up and just be flexible, um, is, is, is something that has helped me. So in this time, which is so hard because you're at, there's there, it, you're, it's hard to create the clarity, right? Like now I'm a dad. Now I'm a gym owner. Now I'm a fitness guy because you're biking with your daughter at home. You're doing work at home. You're trying to be with your family at home. How are you creating those, those separations or are you not to your point? Are you just like being more forgiving with yourself? I think it's a combination of both being like more forgiving. Um, but also, um, so I have like an area where like I can go upstairs and go close the door and that's kind of like, Hey, I'm going to go kind of be at, be work. But if I'm like sitting at that the kitchen sounds table, nice. Oh yeah. man. But if I'm like sitting at the kitchen table, trying to answer emails, right. And yeah. Yeah questions like that's my fault you know like you're kind I, of inviting it right you're kind yeah. of like saying oh, yeah but, but, but you know like the big thing that i do and it's been really weird for me because for the last what what are we a couple months i haven't been on an airplane 
prior to this, I was on an airplane. I looked at it pretty much once a week for a very, very long time because mm. we were opening locations and competitions, whatever. And, and so for me, when I was traveling, it was a really good time for me to reflect. And I'd be on an airplane. I was never more focused than I was on an airplane for some reason, right? You just have minimal distractions, whatever it is. But I would always be on these airplanes and I'd be coming home. And I'd ask myself, like, a check-in, like, hey, how am I doing, right? How am I doing? And I figure if I could have these micro check-ins with myself on a weekly, daily, whatever basis, I won't wake up 10 years from now and realize I was really crappy at whatever, right? So I say to myself, hey, how am I doing with my focuses, business, family, fitness? Where am I at? And then let me try and, let's just say I was in Asia for a week, open location. Well, let me come home and try and reprioritize. So this way, again, I could always look back and no matter what happens in my life, I did the best I could when I could and stayed present and, and stayed. Uh, I kept asking myself, how am I doing on a regular basis? So a year from now, five years from now, I don't regret what I've done. How do you guys, when, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Ben. When, like, um, I'm just trying to put this like chronologically, this AMRAP mentality, you said it was basically like when you had that conversation with your wife, um, was that after your, your competitive career as an athlete or is this like in the transition? No, 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 it was like, we were deep into it. That was like 2011. So my daughter oh, was born wow. in 2011. So this is like 11, 12, I started developing yeah. this mindset. And then I wrote the book in yeah. 16, 17 after Ava got. So what happened is I, I embraced the mm. mindset from like 12, 13, 14, like deep in my competitive career, deep in, I mean, because at that point I had no other option. I wanted to win at everything I was doing and I had to figure out how I was going to do it. You know, how am I going to have two kids, you know, open these new locations and win the CrossFit Games? And so I had to prioritize my stuff and I wasn't prepared to let anything go. I wanted to be as dominant as I could in each one. And then it wasn't until Ava got diagnosed that was like a very easy, like, yo, bro, you got to reevaluate what you want to do. And so, but that's the AMRAP mentality. The reason why it's so beneficial, Ben and Patrick, was that when I was AMRAPing with my wife on date night, we developed a strong bond. When I was AMRAPing my workouts, I was developing good fitness. When I was AMRAPing at work, I put money in the bank. So that when Ava was diagnosed, we were able to fall back on these strong relationships, financial independence, and and uh, whatever it is. And so I'm grateful for developing that system years in advance. Yeah, that intentionality and that um, ability to remain present is like an insurance policy for when the adversity hits. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I talk about adversity. I mean, yeah. Anyways. You know, this, um, th this, what you just mentioned there, this, like, this competitiveness and this drive to win. How do you, this is a question for you as well as for any super competitive person, but how do you balance the, the drive to win with this idea that like comparison is the thief of all joy, right? Cause there's always somebody that's winning more than you. There's always somebody that's making more money than you. There's always somebody that's more successful in whether it's athletics or what, how do you continue to keep that drive without eating you alive? Yeah, it's a good question. And for a while, I was, you know, I've been wrapped up in many different things. You know, I've, you know, seen sports psychologists, you know, therapists. I mean, I've worked with a lot of people to try and work through these things, right? And at the end of the day, it comes down to this concept of just, I want to reach my own personal potential. And I'm the only person that could determine that. It's like, hey, Ben, did you give your best in your workout today? And you say yes. Well, who am I to say any otherwise, right? If you think that you did the best you could in your workout, who am I to judge vice versa? And so I'm just asking myself, am I reaching my potential? Am I doing the best I can? And if every day I walked into the gym and I put myself in the best position to win the CrossFit Games, as an example, every day I left there and I said, I did the best I could to put myself as a contender to reach my potential, then I'm good, right? Yeah. Because, it, and, you know, I talk about this a lot and it's something I, I've really fallen back on is this idea of earned confidence. You know, I could tell myself all I want that I could go, you know, box with Floyd Mayweather but I haven't earned the confidence in that. But every day you come into the gym, you put in the sweat, the blood, the tear, whatever, you could feel more confident that you earned the right to go be competitive and reach your potential. And that also goes in business. You know, I started working the front desk at a health club when I was 15, 16 years old. There's a lot that I've learned along the years, and I need to be able to fall back on that um, when things get challenging. Okay, so your arms like that come from starting working at a front desk when you're 15. Got it. Damn it. I think I was six. You're sure it's not like like whether you use casein or whey protein? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's not, it's not what BCA flavors you use? It's not the watermelon flavor? 
No, but I was a sucker for the seven 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 bicep curl and no, uh, no, no. That don't don't discredit that. That still works. <laughs> don't pop it. Don't pop my bubble. I'm hoping that that's still the magic thing. That is the magic pill. <laughs> Question for both you guys. Um, I think a lot of people when they uh, they pay attention to what you guys are doing when they listen, they get um, uh, fired up and motivated. Um, I think what a lot of people do is they ascribe to willpower what is probably a lot more complicated and complex than simply willpower. And so I'm curious both from both of you, what would you say to someone who says, you know, uh, that makes a lot of sense, AMRAP mentality, but Jason just has more willpower than I do. Um, or Ben, like Ben, there was a point where Ben didn't have a dessert for like 437 years or something. Well, Ben's just special, right? He he's, he's just has more willpower than I do. What is it that they don't understand that they're, putting a label of willpower on that in fact is something else, something maybe more complicated, more complex, deeper than that. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that there, uh, I, I don't believe in willpower. I think willpower is just like, I think it's this made up thing. I think it's, uh, um, cause if you, re if you resolve to willpower, willpower is a finite resource that's going to get burned up. You know, Patrick, I've used, your story so many times mm. to describe what willpower is. Yeah. Jason, I'm gonna fill you. This is um he went to his in-laws and the in-laws um had three pizzas sitting on the table. And he walks in and he goes, I'm healthy. I'm not gonna eat the pizza. I'm not gonna eat the pizza. I'm not gonna eat the pizza. But after like four hours of saying I'm not gonna eat the pizza, he finally caves and he ate the pizza and he ended up having like three or four pieces. It's gonna like you can be only so strong for so long. To me, it's a matter of like determining like what's important in your life. Like Jay said, like create the like, he said, you know, like if you can walk out at the end of the day being like, check the boxes. Like I did the work. I did what I was supposed to do to make me fulfilled. Like it's, it's at a, it's either at a higher level or it's even more simple at the higher level. It's about acting in the way that's incongruent with your values, your belief systems, your principles, who you believe you are as a human being. Now, if you believe you are as a human being. You are, um, you are the person that does the hardest things regardless of what those are and you charge towards those hard things, you're going to act in a way that fulfills because we are self-fulfilling beings. That's what we do. We want to um, self-actualize what we believe to be in our makeup. The other way, the even easier way to say this is it's not about any of that stuff. It's not willpower. It's a really simple word, which is focus. Mm. It's you're losing focus. You're losing focus on what truly matters to you. And what happens is, you know, Ray Dalio talks about this as the two yous. There's two yous living inside of you. And every sort of civilization, every religion has some sort of this. It's the devil and the angel living on your shoulders. And the two yous inside of you, one wants short-term gratification. The other wants long-term fulfillment. And which you do you listen to? You're listening to the one that says like, eat the cookie, eat the cookie. It's going to be so freaking good. That cookie's going to be so good. But then you listen to that you. And then 20 minutes later, the other you goes like, damn it. You fell for it again. Like, what are you doing? Like, we're not supposed to do that. It's a matter of determining which of the two yous do you listen to. And it's like nothing else. It's like building Jason's biceps. It just takes years and practice and seven by seven by sevens and the <laughs> watermelon flavored BCAAs. If you do that stuff, all of a sudden you can hold on to your focus longer. That's what it is. You're practicing. Now what, you know, as Nietzsche said, tell me I can withstand any how, if I know the why, like just like understand the why this is important. Understand the why this is important. If you understand at a deep enough level and you practice it, well then it becomes easier in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, like when you're just like you've you've eaten cookies every single day for your entire life after you have dinner, those first five times you don't eat the cookies are going to be a massive, massive pull. You're just trying to push a semi truck across the parking lot. But by month six, by year nine, by this is like my not eating desserts in the beginning, it was tough, but I had a really strong why. I had a really strong why in the beginning. And then after two years of not eating desserts, the next time someone offers desserts, it's like, no, dude, I'm good. It's like, it's just so easy. Full yeah. disclosure, I eat desserts now. <laughs> well, like, for example, with me, like, if you guys wanted to do like a, a no dessert eating contest, I'd be like, dude, I'm good. Like, I'm not in. Like, yeah. because, because 
it's not, it doesn't have the value for me, meaning like I don't have a strong why for it. So I'm not yes. even going to put myself in that position. It's like, I'll give you a really good example. I get asked all the time, Hey Jason, you need to go when you're ready, when you're available or whatever, are you going to go compete at um, masters? And I say more than likely not. I say, because at this point in my life, I don't have a deep internal why yeah, to put it. myself through that. And you know, when I was competing at the games at the highest level, or even at the rogue invitational that was last year, I had a deep desire, internal desire to get up early, train hard, be present because it was, it was something intrinsic. It was in me to reach my potential and to see what I was capable of, to see what my body was available to do. And I don't have that same desire today for masters and that's okay. I've came to the realization, right? And I think that each person listening, you talk about, um, willpower, et cetera. I think what it all comes down to, and Ben's alluding to or saying it is this idea of like, why do you want to do what you want to do in the first place? And if you don't have a strong reason for it, you're never going to reach the potential because when things get hard, it's, you need to revert back to that. Why, you know, it's like you're at the CrossFit games. This one event was called microwave mountain and it was the hardest microwave run ever. I've ever been a part of in my entire life. The hardest and, run you've ever done inside of a microwave. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Yes. And you know, you're, you're in the middle of this race and I'll never forget. I'm like moving pretty slow. I'm like practically walking or jogging. And I see like, I don't know if I was hallucinating or if it was really happening, but you know, there's like, there's like a tarantula that walks across the thing. And I just look around. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Right? Like I'm in the middle of a the desert. There's like gunships going off in the corner. And I just told myself like, I made a commitment to myself, to my family, to, to, to see what my potential was to, to go out there and compete. And I, I had a strong internal why, and that's what pushed me through. But if you don't have that strong internal reason, you're just doing it for money, fame, whatever, or whatever, or you're doing it because you listened to a Ben Bergeron podcast, you got fired up. No, that's not going to be good enough. You'd be fired up for an hour, but then you, you need to be consistent with it. And I think that's really important is to understand what are you driven by? What is your why? And then go after it. And if not, everybody has the same focuses and goals and that's okay. Um, before we, we transition a bit to listener questions, I did, I'm really curious from both of you on how you think about and how you try to balance your, I don't know the, the, quite the right words, but maybe your, uh, your ambitions, right? Whether that's business, whether that's um, even uh, family or fitness, but your ambitions and these kind of these buckets or these areas of responsibility that you've determined are the most important. Because I imagine there are opportunities for both of you that crop up where you think ir irrespective, kind of without the context of the of the things that you've decided are important, would be like would be a really cool opportunity to to. It, you know, to engage in, in some way, whatever way that opportunity causes, whether it was a business opportunity, whether it's, you know, get on this plane and come do this thing or come on my podcast or whatever it might be. Right. How do you guys balance? How do you guys recognize when like something is pulling at your ambition, but by, by saying yes to it, you're actually pulling yourself away from the, the core, um, uh, things that you've determined are the most important. You got it, Ben, or you want me to go okay. for it? I think it's having a, a good team around you. I really do. Because the way I am, I want to say yes to everything. I want to do everything. I want to get after it. And I need to have a team around me that 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 I trust in, that I we delegate and we say, hey, there's this opportunity to go open this or to go do this. Is that distracting us from our focus, for our vision? There was a while at our gyms that we offered yoga, spinning, Pilates, barbell, gymnastics, whatever. And what we realized was we need to refine down, simplify, and then really get excellent at whatever we're doing. And anything that took us outside that path, we kept wanting to go over here because there's a new shiny object. We had to come back and really focus in. So I think having a good team around you that could support and kind of have checks and balances, I think is really important. And one other thing that I do is I, I talk to my wife about what our plans are. So like, for example, I'll never forget, this was probably like a year and a half ago. I sat down with my wife and I said, hey, look, this is what we have going on as a business. We, we have this financial means. We have this, 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 this. And we could do this. Like, we're good. And we could stay this way for a very long time. Or there's another option. But I need to know what, where your head's at. Because I, even like competing at the Cross the Games, every year I would sit down with my wife and say, hey, are you ready to make the commitment with me? Because if she wasn't, there'd be resentment built up and she wouldn't be so I had to sit down every year after the games. We would meet like a couple weeks after. I would take her on like a little trip. And we'd sit down. We'd have dinner. I'd say, where's your head at for next year, right? And she'd either say, you know, and, and then it started off like, oh, yeah, we're in, we're in, we're in. 
Then it was like, okay, maybe one more year. You know, things were shifting. But with business, I said to her, I said, we could either go this path or I could go this path. Where are you at? And, and she was fortunate enough to be on the team. And she said, hey, Jason, I know you won't be happy unless we pursue this path to go grow and reach our potential as a business. So I'm on board with you. But that was really important for me because I think sometimes, especially as entrepreneurs or whatever, we try and think that our decisions won't, our decisions impact a lot of people, including our family. And having the family on board with those decisions is very important so that there's no resentment that's built up over time. And they're in your corner actually helping you achieve those goals. So th- those are the two notes on that. Yeah, I love that, Ben. Yeah, it's, it's, I love I love that, Jay. I love the, the the co-creation that you're using there with your team. And it's not you going and telling them, um, hey, this is what we're doing the next year. Um, wife, get on board. This is what's happening. It's a... Uh, um, you don't have to ask for buy-in later because you co-created the plan together. Um, I guess I'll, I'll spin it a little bit in a different fashion. And um, I, I think it's all about strategy. Um, and strategy is the approach to achieving your goals and the reason for not choosing the alternative. My goal is fulfillment, ultimate fulfillment in my life. So it just becomes a matter of what is the approach I'm going to use to find fulfillment in my life and why am I choosing this approach rather than the other? So let's back it up to like a business thing. So if we're, um, we're going to create a new business and there's different strategies once you create the business. So people create a product and then you need a strategy to kind of figure out how to do that. So, um, like a go to market strategy, you could go boots on the ground and get salespeople in every region. And that's a strategy or you could do a mass advertising campaign, and that's a strategy. Or you could go mass high-level influencers, and that's a strategy. Or you could go nothing at all, just word of mouth, incredible products, simplicity, and all that, and that's a strategy. So for me in my life, if uh, an opportunity pops up, I basically think about, like, is this in line with a strategy for me to achieve fulfillment in my life? And if so, is it better than an alternative strategy? So for an example of that is um, – I, for a long time, I put off like public speaking. I didn't want to, I, as you know, Patrick, like I put off this podcast and things like that for a long time. I didn't want to be in the public figure, um, really much at all. I didn't like it. Um, I didn't, it didn't find, I didn't find fulfillment in it. Eventually I shifted gears and started to find like, this might be a thing. And all of a sudden it spun all the way up to me doing a Ted talk. And that's an opportunity. I put it off the first three times I was approached about doing a Ted talk. Cause I didn't think it was the right strategy for me to find fulfillment. Eventually, I was like, ooh, maybe this is actually. So I did it. I tried it. I did the TED Talk and um, realized after I did it, because the plan was now that that would be my new strategy. I would do corporate speaking. I would travel the world, kind of talk to businesses and all the rest. You've done a best-selling book. You've trained some of the fittest, and you've now you've done a TED Talk. There's the resume, resume, and now you can feel, as Jason said, you have the earned confidence to go into those rooms and do that. What I realized after I did that was, I don't find fulfillment in that form of speaking at all. So now I have a different strategy on how to get it. And it's a real easy no for me. Um, I just had a really cool um, conversation with somebody that's putting together this massive, huge, amazing kind of life-changing, kind of like these huge conventions like South by Southwest, but for betterment, for fulfillment in life. And they're getting these amazing speakers. Um, and I see the list and I'm like, wow, being a part of that would be ridiculous. But I had a really open conversation with her. And she's like, I was like, hey, listen, like, I, I feel ridiculous kind of saying um, no to this. But to be frank, I don't find fulfillment in it. And she was like, that's so amazing. That's so transparent. I love that. Um, would you be able to come on and speak to, um, you know, just like our, our, our Zoom presentation to our corporate to talk about this? I was like, yeah, actually, I do find more fulfillment in those things. I've been talking to like college sports teams and doing that because it's a much better format for me. I see a small group of like people I can see. And there's – I just – I do better in this format that we're in right here than me talking to a bunch of strangers that are in a dark room that it's like, I figured out basically, um, what my goal is fulfillment. And then what's the strategy that's going to get me there. And that's, it makes it easier to say no when you know those things. Yeah. Love that. Um, before we get on to the two minute drill questions that we've got for Jason, Ben, do you have anything else, um, outside of the size of his biceps that you'd like to ask him before we do? Okay. Um, yeah. So this is going to be like a really like maybe, uh, a, a generic type of, um, podcasty type question, but, um, 
like Jay, dude, you've done it. Like you are, um, you are, you've been the highest, um, level of fitness in the world. You've won the CrossFit games, been on the podium a couple of times. Um, you've, you've done it also on the team side. You've then, uh, turned your success into the business side. You have, um, from the outside looking in an amazing family, like lots of to the outside world, quote unquote success. Um, you've done it in multiple modalities, like really high level, really generic question, but what do you attribute your success to maybe something beyond that AMRAP mentality? Is there something more, um, specific or maybe I'm, maybe I'm putting a, may I'm, may it's an unfair caveat to that question. Maybe it just is that AMRAP mentality. Well, I mean, the AMRAP mentality definitely has helped, right? Because it helped me accomplish, it helped me be present and focused, which helped me get to, you know, podium the CrossFit games and whatnot. And it helps with my family. Um, I mean, first off, I don't think that I've achieved um, what I want to achieve, right? And I, I think you talk to anybody who's achieved anything, whether it's CrossFit games, opening new locations, creating a profitable business. You know, success is it's a really weird word. And I, I know you probably think about this a lot, but some people could look from the outside and say, well, that person seems very successful. But success for me is really just the ability to reach my potential in whatever I'm pursuing. And at the CrossFit Games level, I do feel like I reached my potential. I, I have, I have, I feel like I could walk away from that saying I was successful at what I wanted to accomplish and I'm, I'm at ease. But in other areas of my life, I'm still pursuing. I'm still mm. trying to see what's possible. How do I become a better father, husband? Uh, how do I grow a business that makes a bigger impact on more people? So I'd say it's a combination of the AMRAP mentality and then also this like kind of relentless pursuit of myself, of like self-evaluation, self-reflection. And those constant check-ins really help me to, I think, stay to course on where I want to go, um, which I think is really important. I, I, I love the, the airplane. Um, that's so cool. Like the, and the fact you were on an airplane once a week and what a controlled, um, environment to do that kind of check-in. Um, wow. I, I'm such a fan of that, um, reflection, that self analysis of like, where am I in my life relative to what I want to be pursuing? You know, it's the Stephen Covey thing of like, we're all climbing these ladders. We're trying to race to the top of the ladder. And the fear is we get to the top and it's leaning against the wrong wall. Like, holy crap, what a nightmare. Like, the, the, like, um, hell is working really, 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 really hard at things that ultimately don't matter. Like that's my okay. personal hell. Like, um, so I love the fact that you're, you're doing that. So, um, super cool. I'll let, uh, I'll let Patrick kick off with these. Yeah, and go I for it. It's okay to pivot. You know, I think, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we were talking about AMRAP mentality. So we started a podcast, you know, you get, I started a podcast and you know, you get Gary V Lewis house, all these famous CrossFitters on you know, using our network. And what I realized was back to your fulfillment thing, right? We did a bunch of these. Coffee Kalipa, I would share information. We'd go interview people. And then I was doing deep reflection over time. I say, is this in alignment with what is going to fulfill me, right? Same exact same thing, Ben. I've done a lot of public speaking from corporate events about AMRAP mentality and this and that. But I took deep reflection. I started saying to myself, the energy I'm pursuing over here, is it actually where I want to go in my future? And so that's why we paused or stopped the Amrit Mentality podcast and focused on the business of fitness one because that's in direct line with where I want to go. That's what I'm excited about. That gives me fulfillment to improve other people's business and improve ours. And so, um, but I think, I think hopefully by listening to this, you get permission to pivot. It's okay. It's okay to start a podcast. And you know what? A year later, it just wasn't in alignment with where you want to be. And that's okay. I think people are afraid of like this idea of not quote failing, but like, if you're doing something, you're not happy. Just you, after deep evaluations, just shift. It's okay. You know, uh, Juliet Starrett said something to me. It was really exciting. I'll never forget. She was a lawyer, spent a bunch of money going to law school, was making great money. And she opened up San Francisco CrossFit and she quit her day job as a lawyer. And what put her over the edge to open up the, the gym was that a guy said to her, Hey, how old are you? She was like, let's just say 30. He goes, well, if you go do this like whole business thing and it's not successful in a year or two years, you could come back to law and still practice for another 30 years. And there's a long race, a long journey that we have ahead of us. And I think you're totally right with 
not you know building up this ladder of success and then recognizing it wasn't actually where you wanted to go. And I think throughout that journey, you're just evaluating it. And uh, we're all doing it, you know? And anybody who thinks they have it all figured out, I don't think they do. <laughs> Love it, Jerry. Yeah. Okay. So, so good, man. Let's, um, I've got a handful of questions. I'll, I'll, I'll pick, I don't know, four, maybe five. Good. Um, and Jason, uh, just as a reminder, this is kind of a, a take on our two minute drill, which is when I, I pepper Ben with questions from listeners and he is challenged with attempting to answer them in, uh, inside of two minutes, even though most of the questions, um, are not, are, are not, uh, are not uh, conducive to that kind of time frame. but, um, okay. So the first one we'll go with, uh, We've talked about, I think we've talked about kind of the buckets that both of you um, focus on now, uh, family, business, fitness, whatnot. But I'm curious, uh, what core values have stayed consistent throughout your life? So maybe stuff that um, before you were able to clarify that those were the important things. Are there, is there anything that you can point to and say, uh, this has been with me for as long as I can remember? Um, probably dedication. You know, dedication to my wife, dedication to um, what, I'm, what I'm doing. Got it. Love that. What books are you reading these days, if any? Uh, I just downloaded, uh, hang on, sorry. I just downloaded uh, Grit. I also downloaded, um, I got a few that I just downloaded, but Grit and um, <laughs> Fortitude by Dan Crenshaw. I just downloaded, oh, there you go. See, I got Grit right here. Grit. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Oh, whoops. I just started the book. Uh, ben, are you, Ben, are you reading anything uh, worth noting these days? I just finished um, a terrible name of a book, but it's called The Man Watching. It's a, about Anson Dorrance, the coach of UNC girls uh, soccer, who's won 22 national championships in 27 years. Um, and now I'm reading a book called uh, um, Play to Win, which is a uh, business strategy book. Got it. Um, Jason, what were your biggest challenges in the first year as a gym owner? Mm. You know, trying to wear all the hats, mm. right? Trying to do everything. And, and even more importantly than that, thinking that I was the only person that could have done it. That was my mistake. It was doing everything and then thinking I was the only person that could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Ben. Yeah, it's very similar. I think it's fear of delegation. Mm. Um, I thought that if I told people what to do, they thought think I was an ass. Mm. Um, and it was just because of, I didn't tell anyone what to do, they thought I was an ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question. When, uh, when might somebody know that it's time to uh, walk away from a coaching career? Uh, I think if it's not in direct alignment where they want to go in the future, I think they need to do evaluation and be like, it's okay to no longer be coaching if that's not in line with where you want to go. Um, and you gotta, you gotta just do some self-reflection. You know, no one else can answer that for you except for you, but you gotta know the pros and cons. You know, I think it's really important that coaches recognize that what is their revenue or, or, or financial expectations and do they align with the job that I'm looking for and just being realistic about that. Love that. Ben, anything? Yeah. Similar stuff. I think it's a, it's a matter of like, um, if you, if you, I'm just a big believer. Like if you, if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. You know, like Jay obviously is really passionate about, uh, what he does. Um, I, one of my, my tenets in my life has been like, if I can blur the line between work and play, like, dude, that's pretty freaking solid. It's like when I'm at work, I love, love, love what I'm doing. So my thing would be like, if you lost, if you lost the love of the job, um, and you know, full disclosure, like my wife, Heather, she coached for a very long time. Um, she recently stopped because she was very open and frank. She's like, listen, I, I'm not finding fulfillment in this. I don't love this anymore. It's like, well, don't do it because you think I want you to do it. Don't think because like, let's find, let's find the next pursuit that is, you know, that sets you on fire. Love that. Um, th this question's interesting. It was interesting to me because just given the, the current context of what we're in, but what does a typical day look like for you, Jason? And then maybe uh, how much has it changed uh, in, you know, with everything going on? Um, you know, it, it doesn't change. It hasn't changed that much because I still come to our gyms. There's just no one here. I'll film. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's getting up relatively early. It's, it's, I like to, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have some coffee. That's just my thing. It's like a morning ritual. And then I'll, um, I'm going to start, I'll be working before the kids get up. Once my daughter gets up, I ride the bike with her. That's like our thing lately. We've been doing that for a while. 
And then I'll see the kids. I'll take off for work. I'll be gone for a couple hours, whatever that may be. If I'm at home, I'll just be upstairs. I'll really be focused, present, whatever I got to do. I've always, this is consistent throughout my life, whether I was competing in the CrossFit Games or not, I'd always get home for dinner when I was home. I'd have dinner, the kids would go to sleep, and then I'd go back to work after that. And so that's something I was done, been doing for a very long time. It's segmenting the day. Morning, I do some type of exercise. Throughout the duration of the day, I'm working. And then at night, I'll make sure I hit the dinner, and then I get back to work after that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Last two questions that we've got, I'm gonna, I'll, ask both of, I'll ask both of you. First one, if you could train with any single person, who would it be and why? I mean, that's really easy for me. The rock, of course. <laughs> Great answer. Great answer, Ben. Jason Khalifa, of course. Oh, we can make that possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I feel like you can stretch a little harder than that, Ben. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, man, I, I I'm gonna say no because I actually don't find a lot. Of, I, I'm a workout solo person unless I'm working out in the 6:30 a.m. class. Like I don't even need music. I don't. I'm like. Uh, I use that as a real self-reflection time. Fitness monk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. If there was one word to describe your life, what would it be and why? Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's something I've been thinking about a lot, right? It's just potential. That's it. It's like, am I achieving my potential? Could I be doing this better? And am I going to look at my life when I'm 70, 80 years old? And have regrets on something I did because I didn't I didn't reach that potential. And who knows what that potential the only person that can hold yourself accountable to that is yourself, right? The only person who knows that I reached my potential to cross the games is me. Um because you know how much work you put in, you know how much dedication you put in, et cetera. Ben. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be used to describe my life, but if I if the one word that I use more than ever to like for my own self-assessment is what Jay's talking about is potential is I think it's the same word spun a little differently is, is fulfillment. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just constantly thinking about like when I'm on my deathbed, what am I going to look back on and be like, man, I'm so, my cup is so full. Like I'm so happy with what I did, the way I spent my time, um, both what I accomplished, but also what I chose not to pursue to do other things and constant um, evaluation of um, where I am. Am I climbing the right ladder? Am I climbing at the right speed? Am I making sure that uh I'm filling up the right buckets along the way. Love that. Jason, thank you so much for, uh, for AMRAPing this podcast with us. Um, uh, highly appreciate it. Huh? <laughs> Thanks you know, everybody who sends questions. Uh, the AMRAP, the AMRAP mentality just aligns so well with what we've been doing for years. I mean, think about your workouts before you were introduced to going against the clock, right? You used to just walk around the gym, do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. Then all of a sudden you started racing against the clock and it just changed your whole thing. Look at how much yeah. work you got done in such a little time. It's the exact same thing. Love it, Jay. Love it, man. All right, guys. We'll see everybody next week. Until then, stay well. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.